Matthew chapter 2. Um, if you know, for those that are here, we have been in our Christmas series, A Thrill of Hope, and this morning we're going to come to the wise men. And, uh, you know, Christmas brings a lot of, back a lot of memories. And when you talk to people about Christmas, uh, some have a lot of great Christmas memories. I think for me personally, I have a lot of wonderful memories of Christmas and things that happened um, at, at Christmas and experience times. I, I love Christmas and I love Christmas time and I love whoever put the box of Bucky's fudge on my desk in there. I love that person. They, we speak the same kind of love language. I don't know who it was. But hopefully they're not just storing it there until they leave. I hope that is mine when I get ready to leave. But uh, I love all the parts about Christmas and and different times and different things we do. And uh, I can remember just some memories and experiences that I had when I was a kid moving to Jacksonville and uh, uh, driving around on University Boulevard in a I think it was an 84 Thunderbird, Black Thunderbird, with me and my brother in the back rolling around because we couldn't wait for it to get dark because we were always able to pick out one present to open up on Christmas Eve. And we'd always, I could just remember thinking, is it ever going to get dark in this place? Like, and then you never think, Sunday, Christmas morning's never going to come. And you just, I mean, the times that we could actually remember uh, just great experiences we had um, with our family. I could also remember other several Christmases by the gifts that I got that I had really, really wanted, uh, like a remote control boat. I remember all the water here in Florida. I was thinking, if I could just get me a remote control boat, that would be the coolest thing ever. And uh, the place to go in Jacksonville for a boy back then was, um, was to Hobby uh, World. And uh, to be able to go there and to pick those things out. One year I picked out a Big Bear remote control truck. I remember that one distinctly because it cost $300. I'll never forget that. Because my, when I opened it up, I was shocked that I actually got it from my mom and my dad. And my dad said, we paid $300 for that thing. Your kids better be playing with that one day. And so I'll, I will always remember that one. Uh, I always remember uh, several things when I was a, a kid, but also now that I'm an adult, uh, I can remember uh, several uh, gifts of giving to my children, mostly because you have to put them together. I remember one night putting together a basketball hoop. Uh, I can remember putting together a, a trampoline and a polar vortex. My face almost froze off. My hands were stiff. I can remember a drum set. That was probably the dumbest thing we ever bought. Uh, that was not a prank gift. We were actually dumb enough to buy Tanner a drum set. And of course, he banged on that thing for a couple months and uh, anyways, drove us all crazy. But uh, I can remember putting that thing together. Uh, All that said, uh, let me encourage you, if you have a family or what family you have, spend time with your family on Christmas because those are memories, those are experiences that you're going to take with you in your heart and your life. And when uh, those uh, Christmas time comes where uh, the family's not around or maybe someone has passed away, um, those memories, those experiences are things that you're going to have. And I know as a young family, as a young parent, sometimes we have a lot of things on our agenda, a lot of things that we got to do, uh, places to go. Don't discount spending time with your own family, spending time with your kids, uh, really pouring into their life, really um, being around that time for Christmas. Because for me, I'm very grateful for those times of gathering together with my family uh, during those Christmas times and trying to do that with my uh, kids as well. And so there's good memories. There's also uh, times at Christmas when it brings back pain and heartache and grief. Um, Something about Christmas time brings back memories of uh, heartache and pain and 
uh, something about the holidays as well, um, that we realize are joyful experiences, but we also realize the experiences that hurt in life and things that has happened to us over the years and things that we don't understand. And a lot of times it can be lonely. A lot of times it can bring despair. A lot of times it can bring heartache and it can bring um, some pain. And so I pray as we hear this message this morning, you can experience uh, the comfort of the Holy Spirit um, in that as well. But for us as Christians, for those of all uh, people, um, we should experience Christmas not just from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. We should know better than to live or to experience Christmas just from a worldly perspective. And as a Christian, Christmas is a wonderful time to renew spiritually, to rethink about or to think about what Christ has really done for us, to to really renew our hearts to the Lord. It's towards the end of the year. It's a great time to remember the gift that we have in Jesus Christ, to remember how much God really loved us. It's a great time that we could have spiritually to revive our hearts. And I hope this morning, my prayer is, as we hear this message from the wise men, that our hearts will be uh, churned or our hearts will be stirred up to renew our hearts before the Lord, to have a thrill of hope uh, because of what Christ is and what He's done for us. And as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, as we renew our hearts, as we refresh our hearts, that we have a new joy and a new peace in our heart that we didn't have before. And so I want to start in Matthew chapter 2. We read our memory scripture verse. That's a great uh, memory verse for us to remember. Um, But I want to read verses 1 and 2 and verses 9 through 11. So Matthew... Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men come from the east, uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. In verse 9, uh, when, we, when they heard these, the, the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced uh, with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so when we begin to think about having a thrill of hope at Christmas, first and foremost, we must seek after Jesus. You notice the first thing that pops out to us or pops out to me when you hear this story is that the wise men were uh, about their life. They were uh, doing what they always do, but they set that aside to seek after Jesus. You see, they made a commitment. They made a decision. And for us, uh, when we seek after Jesus, it doesn't happen automatically. If you think you can go through this world and live in this world and never make a commitment to, to, to follow after Jesus or to never make a commitment to seek Jesus, it's not going to happen. It won't happen. And we will miss the glory of Christmas or the worship of Christmas that we can have if we don't commit to seeking after Jesus in this time. Psalm tells us in Psalm 105, 3 and 4, it says, Glory to His name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. 
I heard one pastor say it. There's actually bumper stickers that say it as well. Wise men still seek him. And the point is is that regardless of your life, wherever you are, and wherever you're doing, you must make a commitment to set those things aside to seek after Jesus. It's not going to just happen. You got to make a commitment. You got to be willing to rearrange your schedule, to rearrange your agenda, to seek after Jesus. Because if you don't, you're going to be busy seeking everything else. And the last thing that's going to come across your mind or your heart is Jesus. It'll be the things of the world, the things of the things that the things of, of the flesh. It's not going to be Jesus. And that's exactly what the world wants. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to focus so much on the commercialized part of Christmas that you're so busy that you have so many things to do that you don't have time nor are you bothered to seek after Jesus because you are too busy consuming the things of the world. You are too busy filled with your own agenda. Now, I know December 25th is not the day that Jesus was born. You say, wow, that's quite the revelation, Pastor. I think we knew that, all right? But it is the day that we set aside as Christians to recognize the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'd also realize that the world has done its best to twist that and to pervert that into worldly things. And they have worked well to do this. And they do such a great job of commercializing Christmas that most Christians neglect to worship Jesus. A matter of fact, even in this day, if you think about it, in the story when the wise men went to Herod, Herod pointed them to the scribes and the Pharisees to know where Jesus was, was going to be born. And these were the men who were studied scriptures, who had given their life to, for, for, the, for the service of God. And they came and the prophecies were told and the laws were interpreted and they told the wise men where to go. But guess who went with them? No one. Only the wise men went. The Pharisees and the scribes, those who would have, what you, who was supposedly waiting for the Messiah and yearning to see the Messiah, did not even make less than a 50-mile trip to see the Messiah that was born just, just beyond where they were. And listen, there's a lot of people that way. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, a lot of families who get busy with the agenda of the world and the business of life. They miss the Jesus of Christmas. They missed the point of the whole thing. They realized that they seeking after all the things of the world that they don't seek after Jesus. Don't be one of them. Now, I've been one of them. I, I know the temptations. I know that it's hard to say no to some things. It's hard to set your schedule to where you can have time to contemplate, to think about, and committing to seeking after Jesus. But after all, wise men still seek Him. If you want to see what Christmas is really all about, you're not going to find it in the worldly things. You've got to find it in Christ and seeking after Him. And when you do that, look what it says. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. You see, joy comes from Jesus. Happiness comes from the world. If you do not seek Jesus in Christmas, the whole Christmas experience will leave you feeling empty and longing for more. You'll be like, wow, that's it? That's all that there is? But when you seek Jesus Christ, regardless of what you have or don't have at Christmas, you can be filled with joy. Happiness is a temporary emotional response to something that brings satisfaction. All right? You get something nice. You get something great. You get 
uh, Bucky's fudge, you have an emotional response of happiness, right? Wow, that really brings me happiness. After you get done eating it, you realize that you didn't need it first off, and second off, that it didn't last very long, and then you, it just brings temporary satisfaction. Well, joy is not based upon the circumstances or based upon the world. Joy is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that brings lasting peace and contentment in your life. That means it's not tied to the things of the world. I told you a little bit about my gifts earlier, and I remember getting those as a child, but I can tell you I could also remember the detriment of each and every one of those gifts. I can remember the ending of all those gifts. I can remember that boat that I thought was so great and the dreams of, 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 of driving it through the lakes and having it you know, jump things and do little uh, donuts and stuff. After two times of going out, of going back and forth too quickly, I stripped the gears out in it, and I was standing on the shore watching it in the current go down the river. <laughs> I thought about going and getting it, and I was thinking, well, I just like a big bobber. I don't think I could ever even catch up to that thing. And there it went, gone forever. I can remember, uh, I didn't tell you about the other gift that I got, was one of the gifts that I was, I was really into uh, wrestling at the time when I was younger, and I loved Hulk Hogan, you know what I mean? I loved Hulk Hogan, I loved Hulkamania, and one year my dad bought me the ring, and he bought me the whole set, and he bought me a two-foot-tall Hulk Hogan doll, all right? Man, I thought that thing was great. Several months later, uh, messing with my brother, all of a sudden I was body slammed onto the, onto the wrestling ring and Hulk Hogan got his head ripped off somehow. So anyhow, Hulk Hogan didn't last very long. It was very temporary. A big bear took a jump too high, hit the ground and broke the frame and I never got to uh, race it again, the, the remote control car. So I can remember all those things that was temporary happiness that I, I saw the end of those things and everything went out of date or got destroyed. And it's extremely important for us to remember this and especially for us as parents to teach our children this. Because I'm old enough now that I've had good Christmases and I've had bad Christmases. I've had Christmas where we've had a lot and I've had Christmas where we've had a little. And, and the point being is it's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can bring you joy. And things of the world can bring you happiness. And things of the world can bring you a momentary pleasure. But what we should focus on is Jesus. He's the one that brings something beyond your circumstances, beyond your toys. And for us, as, as parents especially, we must make the importance that Jesus is the one that makes the difference. Because the things of the world is vanity. It's all empty. It doesn't, it doesn't bring anything. It quickly fades and fades away. But when you seek after the real thing, when you seek after Jesus, it brings joy that's lasting. And when the, when the wise men came to Jesus, they were satisfied. It brought great joy in their life. Let me tell you, this Christmas, more than giving a gift or any material possession you can give, if you seek after Jesus, the joy that will fill your heart will be far beyond any present you can give or receive this Christmas. It's the joy of knowing Jesus and seeking after Him. If we seek after Jesus, we can have joy. If you're going to have a thrill of hope as well, when you seek after Jesus, you must seek after Him and surrender your hearts to Him like the wise men did when they brought the gold to him. Now, we're going to look at these three gifts. It's interesting because these three gifts as well 
you can see they all have spiritual significance. They were gifts, but they were also gifts with a purpose or with a meaning. And each one of them that as they were, would give this gift uh, speaks to who uh, or what the character of Jesus Christ is all about. The very first gift was gold. And I already mentioned this. When you have a thrill of hope, we must worship Jesus as our king. We must be willing to come to Jesus Christ and not just see a baby in a manger, but to see a king of kings, a king who is worthy for us to surrender our lives to. You see, part of seeking after something is realizing that you are surrendered to something greater than you are. And that person is Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. Well, how is a baby in a major, someone that small? And I'm sure the wise men, I'm sure those around them were asking the same question. Well, what kingdom did this child conquer? What kingdom did this child rule? What army did this child lead? What, what, what place did he take over? Where is his authority? Where is his possessions? But you see, they didn't see Jesus for who he was. Jesus was born in a manger. That's his physical birth. But far beyond his physical birth was his spiritual, uh, his spiritual life. And, he, and Jesus spiritually was Jesus the King. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man, but he was also the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the King of God's kingdom. And Jesus existed in eternity past. He exists now and he's going to exist in eternity future. Because it's not just the babe in a manger. This wasn't no ordinary child. This was a ruling, conquering king. He was the son of God, the king of God's kingdom. And you see, with what you see and what we celebrate a lot of times is the babe in a manger. But don't get lost in that. The wise men had it right. Jesus is the king. He is the king of kings. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says, Therefore, God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those of heaven and those of earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, to the glory of God the Father. And listen, he is worthy to surrender your heart to. He is worthy to surrender your life to. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And when we come to the Christmas story and we see the wise men coming to bring gold, that's the way we should treat Jesus. We shouldn't treat him as the babe in a manger and pull him out one time a year and put him back up. No, he's not just once in a lifetime. He's not just once a year. He is the king of kings of every day. And the world loves to portray Jesus just as the little baby in the manger. But yet, he was not. He had authority. He was the king of kings. He had spiritual rule and domain. He ruled over it all. And he was part of God's kingdom. And for us, it's important when we come to Christmas to ask the question, have we surrendered our hearts and our lives to King Jesus? Let me tell you, in Christmas time, if you're going to experience all that Christmas is, you're going to have to acknowledge Jesus as king. And if you don't acknowledge him now, you're going to acknowledge him later because he is king of kings. And just as he came the first time, guess what? He's coming back a second time. And when he comes back a second time, he's not coming as a babe in a manger. He is coming on a white horse ruling and reigning. And let me tell you, when you have the opportunity, and we have the opportunity now as we come to Jesus Christ and you have the opportunity to surrender your, and bow your knee to him now, you must do it. To, to surrender your heart, surrender your life to King Jesus. And when you do that, you understand who he is. And that will bring a worship to him as King Jesus.
So we don't just worship him as the babe in the manger. We worship him as King Jesus. Second thing they, the gift they bring, they bring a, a, a gift of frankincense. And this, this uh, is used by the priests in the temple worship. By the gift of frankincense, it was recognizing Jesus as our priest. And, and, and in the burning of, of frankincense, as we know, uh, we learned a couple of weeks ago, was done by the priest. It was done by the priest into the altar area. And as they would burn this incense, it would cover the smell of the sacrifices, which is one thing, the stench of sin. But it also would bring this aroma out that would bring a, a veil between the priest and God so he can go, on, go uh, to God on behalf of the people. He would atone for sins. He would call on his name for help, or he would ask for um, uh, things for the people that they needed. And in other words, a priest would be an intercessor. And, and when Christ comes, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is now not only king, but he's the intercessor before God. And when we pray, we pray to God through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is now the high priest for now and for eternity. He's the great priest. He's the great high priest. Uh, Hebrews 8, 1 and 2 says, Now this is the main point of all things that we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty, majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Romans 8:34 He who condemns he who is he who condemns it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is also able to save the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see that? This is important because this is really good stuff. Because Jesus is not just a king who you need to bow to and you do, but Jesus is also a high priest. He is one where we can bring our sins to. He is one who we can bring our heartaches and our pains to. And he is one who goes on behalf of God for us. That he listens to what we say and he makes intercession to God for us right now. Jesus is in heaven making intercession on our behalf. That he is hearing our prayers. He is hearing our hearts. He sees our lives. He sees our pain. He sees our sins. And he's taking them and he intercedes on our behalf before God. And this is good because God is holy and righteous. And how do we stand before him? Not in our own power, not in our own righteousness, but the great high priest. Jesus stands on our behalf and he intercesses for us and he makes intercession for you and for me. And you think about when God deals with us, he relates through Jesus Christ. We have a rightful place in God's presence because of Jesus Christ. He is the high priest. When we're full of heartache, we're full of pain, when we struggle, when we're discouraged, and even when we fail. God does not cast us away from his presence. You know why? Because we have a great intercessor. We have an intercessor. We have Jesus who is our priest and he stands before the throne of God and he stands there in the presence of God on our behalf. And when you think about the story of Christmas, that's the greatest message of all. One of the names of Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. That when he came to this earth, he was showing that he would come to stand with us on our behalf and he was with us and he would never leave us and he never forsakes us. 
And I think for us, sometimes as Christians, we think that God has forgotten us about us or he, he doesn't care for us. But let me tell you, Jesus loves us and he has a comfort and a peace for our hearts that we can have through him because he's our great intercessor, that he makes it on our behalf. He is one who hears our prayers. And listen, when we come to God, we cry out for mercy. We find help because of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 Verses 14 through 16 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What a promise. I mean, when you come to the end of your rope, Jesus is there for you. When you come with your heartache and your pain and your discouragement and your grief, guess what? Jesus is standing there for you. Let me tell you, this year, more than any other year, I've learned what it is to be put flat on your back. I told you the story. Some of you remember my series that I did through Jonah, and you remember the, the, the process that God takes us through to get us to a point that we realize that when we get to the end of it all, really, the only one that's there for us is Jesus Christ. And when he gets us to that point, let me tell you, he won't disappoint. He is faithful. Yes, you'll have struggles, and yes, you're going to have heartache, and yes, you're going to have pain, and yes, you're going to look around and say, my friends are no longer here, my family are no longer here, there's no one here that's standing on my behalf. Let me tell you, Jesus stands on your behalf. He doesn't leave, and he doesn't forsake. And just as sure as we sit here and we talk about Christmas, and we talk about Jesus Christ, he came to this earth. He proved it. He, he came to this earth. He lived a life on our behalf and he went back to God and he stands as an intercessor and each and every day and the moments that we have when we can't even speak, we can call out on his name and he's there to hear our prayers. He is that kind of priest and he says he can sympathize with your pain. You think about it. Jesus is not some holy, righteous, uh, uh, you know, agent somewhere that's never experienced heartache or pain. He took on flesh. He knew, what it, he knew what it was like to lose someone when he cried when Lazarus died. He knew what it was like to have his heart broken when he cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knew what it was like to uh, see the sting of sin in someone's life that had let him down. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to be stabbed in the back. He knows this, and he's lived that life. He walked on the face of this earth, and he says he doesn't stand on your behalf, and he, he doesn't stand on your behalf with his arms folded. No, he stands on, his, on, your, on your behalf with his heart broken, sympathizing with you, that he can relate to you, that he stands at the throne, and the Bible says we can boldly come to the throne of grace. Man, we can boldly come to the throne. And I love what it says. You will find grace to help in the time of need. I don't know what you're facing this Christmas, but I know someone's facing far greater than I've ever faced. But I can tell you, no one is facing far more than Jesus ever faced. And he says you can call upon his name and he can sympathize with you. And this morning, if you don't hear anything else, just hear that Jesus cares for you. That Jesus stands on your behalf. He is a great high priest. And because he came to this earth to prove that he never leaves and he never forsakes. And as hard as the pain is and as hard as the grief is and hard as the, the, the pain of someone betraying you may be. He stands on your behalf and he cares for you. He loves you. 
He cares. And he does. And he's our high priest. He's our intercessor right now. He's in heaven at the throne of God. And if you tune your heart to his and call out on his name, he will be there to intercede on your behalf. Man, what a promise. And if we're going to get a thrill of hope, I hope we see Jesus as our great high priest. I hope we surrender our hearts to him as our our savior, I mean, as our king. But lastly, I hope we surrender our hearts to him as our savior. The last gift was myrrh. Now, myrrh was used in burial gifts. It was a burial ritual of the Jews. Now, this would be most unusual because this was like embalming fluid. It'd be literally bringing embalming fluid to a baby shower, right? Here's your baby. Well, here's some embalming fluid for your baby, right? Kind of a strange gift, but not a strange gift if you read prophecy. Not a strange gift if you realize that Jesus Christ was on a mission. Not a strange gift if you realize that Jesus Christ was the Savior. Not a strange gift if you realize that all of the world and all of humanity was looking for a sacrificial lamb who could come to provide salvation and forgiveness of sin. And guess who that was? That was Jesus Christ. He was the one who came to be the death of Jesus Christ. He came to be the greatest gift of salvation ever given to man. Think about it. The Jewish people yearned for this. The angels looked intently to try to see this or to see it happening. But Christ was the one who was the Messiah. He was the one who was going to do it. He was the one that was going to live a sinless life. He was the one that was going to die on a cross and shed his blood. He was the one who was going to take the wrath of God. He was the one who was going to redeem mankind. Man, what a picture. And when you come to Jesus Christ more than anything else this morning, I hope we realize that he is our savior, that he came to die. He paid a price for you and for me to give us a gift, a free gift. Something we can't earn. Something that we cannot uh, 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 keep ourselves. In in Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare die. Verse 8, But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he didn't wait for us to ask for it. He didn't wait for us to be a good person. He didn't wait for us to be a Christian. I think sometimes for us as Christians, we become numb to this because we take for granted the price that Jesus paid for us. We take for granted a lot of times the gift that we really have in Jesus Christ. And God did not need me. God did not need you. God did not need anyone. God was always was, he is always now, and he will always be. God is God, but God chose to provide a way of salvation through Jesus Christ for you and for me, and Christ came and paid that price and gave that gift. Think about that. I mean, he is our savior. He is the gift of salvation for you and for me. You say, well, that's great for a pastor. (laughs) It's not just for a pastor. Oh, that's great for uh, someone else, but not me. No, and, and... Forgive me, because what would Christmas be without mentioning John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. You see that? Not just for a pastor, not just for the priest, not just for the kings, not just for rich people, not just for those uh, who deserve it. No, because no one deserves it. For God so loved the world, every single one, every single person that's ever breathed air. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gift. 
What a gift, so much so that Paul is taken back and, and, and says in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God for an indescribable gift. That the gift of Jesus Christ and what He did for you and for me, it's indescribable. It's indescribable because of the sin that we were in and the wrath that we deserve that a holy God would send His Son to the earth to die on a cross on our behalf. What a gift! That when we freely and trust in him, when we freely trust in him and place our faith in him, that we can earn, that we can have this salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Man, what a what a story, what a message. And he is our great Savior. You see Christ in a manger, but don't ever forget that Christ in a manger went to the cross. And he went to that cross and he paid a price for you and for me. And from the very first day that he was born, it was recognized that he was to be the sacrificial death for the salvation of people for like you and like me. And when we come to Christmas, the question for you to answer is, have you trusted in Jesus Christ for that salvation? Some of us think we can get there by being a good person. It's not going to work. You don't ever become good enough. And you don't ever, you can't ever earn it. You can't ever deserve it. And thankfully for us as Christians, you can't ever not earn it. And for us as Christians, I think sometimes we forget the condition that we were in. We were sinners and Christ died for us, meaning that we had nothing to do with it, that Christ extended salvation for us and we trust in Him. It's the greatest gift of salvation ever given. He's the Savior. And as we think of these things this morning, as we consider seeking Jesus Christ and seeking the Lord, these three things, is He your King? Have you surrendered your life to Him? I mean like your time and your, your talent and your treasure. We talk about those a lot. We talk about those three T's, the time, the talents, and the treasures. Have, have we surrendered those things to King Jesus? Have we surrendered our hearts to Him? Have we come to understand and realize that He is Jesus, the High Priest? That He cares for you, that He has not shunned you, that He is with you, that He is Emmanuel, He will never leave us nor forsake us, and that He is Christ the Savior, that this morning we can have joy, we can have celebration, we can have hope in our hearts, not because of being a good person or trying harder, but because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and coming to this earth. Man, what, what a great thing to come before the Lord and worship Him. And listen, maybe you're thinking about the next party you got to go to, or maybe you're thinking about the next vacation you got to get to, or maybe you're thinking about which, how you're ever going to fit in all these things. Can we, can we hit the timeout this morning? Can we hit the timeout just for a moment? Can we push those things aside? Can we push aside those things of the, of, of the, of the world aside? And can we really come like the wise men and spend some time seeking after Jesus this morning? And just saying, Lord, I want, I want you as king. Lord, I want you as my priest. Lord, I trust you as my savior this morning and commit to worshiping him because wise men still seek him. And I promise if you seek after Jesus like that, you won't be disappointed. You won't have a Christmas that will come and go and say, well, that was a bad Christmas or that Christmas didn't mean anything because you realize Christ is more than this world can anything this world could ever offer. And for you and for me, that's what we should be pursuing this Christmas. Let's pray together.